We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we have been reconciled to God, and that reconciliation is a guarantee. Amen? Romans 5.9. If you're writing, you can write down all the scriptures. We're answering the question, what is your assurance? How do you know you have assurance? Romans 5, verse 9. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And I explained that to you, I think it was on Tuesday, how that salvation is not salvation from sin anymore. Because salvation from sin was once. Right? This salvation is that final day of the Lord where corruption takes on incorruption. Yeah? Mortality takes on immortality. That's the day of salvation we are looking forward to as those who have been saved. And we are being saved because we have been saved in order that we might be saved. Do you understand? We have been saved. We are being saved because preservation is part of the salvation package. Did you hear what I said? The salvation package, Soteria, includes preservation. So you could say that preservation is an act of salvation whereby God sustains those he has saved in order to save them. Pap's definition. Sounds very scientific, right? Should I simplify it for you? Or should I start your own branch for you? <laughs> Preservation is an act of God by which he sustains those who have been saved in order to get them to the day of salvation, in order to save them. So a day of salvation is coming for those who have been saved, and in order to get them there, he preserves them. And that preservation is an act in itself of salvation. Do you get that? So that salvation, that reconciliation is a guarantee. We have been reconciled to him. That reconciliation is a guarantee. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Woo-hoo, remember that? But to obtain what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Not again, not salvation from sin, but that final glorification of the body. Yeah? Awesome. So um, I, would, I would skip everything else. Number two um, point of assurance. Number one, you know that you are reconciled to God. And number two, naturally speaking, you believed. So how do you know you are saved eternally? God has reconciled me to himself, one. And two, 
I happen to believe. Because you see, that's when you start to appropriate what has happened for you. Yeah? John 1, 12. We all know, know the scripture, but put it up. As many as believe him, as many as received him to them, he, he gave the right. King James says power. Right to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. It came up, I think it was Tuesday, John 6, 28, 29. Stephanie preached it. That they asked him, what are the works of God that we might do? John 6, 28. That what shall we do that we may walk the works of God? And in 29, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and then. I mentioned that this morning. Yeah, remember? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, a very interesting concept, which I will not explore this afternoon, is that Paul is writing to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, verse 2, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be. So who is Paul writing Romans to? Romans 10.9. I just want to throw a concept out there that some of us can think on. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him up from the dead, you will be saved. But Paul is writing to saints. So you see why I say preservation is an act of salvation. It, it can't be telling saints that you'll be saved from sin. If by grace they have been saved. Through faith. Verse 10. <laughs> like I said, I just want to throw it out to mess somebody up. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Which salvation? Initial salvation from sin or final salvation into the day of the Lord? Deep stuff, right? So, so you will quote it to the unbeliever and it will make sense to him because he can also latch on to that for initial salvation. And, but to the believer who is saved, he is also continually confessing, believing into salvation. 
Because the day of the Lord is coming. I believe. And because I believe, I have assurance. It matters that, first of all, you know that you have been reconciled. I have bought you a phone. That's information. You now have to believe that what the information says is what the information says. Your believing does not make the information true. It is true. Whether you believe it or not. But your believing positions you to expect it. Does that make sense? If Jumia calls you and says, you have a delivery, I'm coming to you at one o'clock. And you don't believe you have a delivery, you will not bother waiting for them. And they'll come a few times and they're very touchy. You won't hear from them again. So, your assurance of salvation is that you know you're reconciled to God and two, that you believed. And three, like you saw in Romans 10, you confessed Christ. Not, as it were, confess sin. Because God does not need to hear record of your sin to forgive you. doesn't need he knows it what I mean is he knew it because yes, <laughs> now he knows it not that's the one element of God that he has no control over he has bloody amnesia you know amnesia but his own is bloody what's causing his amnesia is the blood Sees the blood, he can't see wrong. He can't, he can't hold it against you. He cannot remember wrong if he wanted to. Because the cross is speaking. The blood is speaking. So you, you know that you're reconciled to God. You confessed and you believed. Number four, having believed, you received. And therefore you have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Man, that is such an assurance. So, while you're waiting for trumpet to sound, trumpet cannot sound and the Holy Spirit is not raptured. The Spirit in you, whose Spirit is it? So the day of the Lord comes. That's why you see 1 Thessalonians 5 tells you that you are not sons of darkness that that day can overtake you like a thief in the night. You are sons of light. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. How can rupture sound and God didn't carry the Holy Spirit? So if you are looking for assurance, all you need to do is be carrying the Holy Spirit. Because he's the seal for the day of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21. Let's do 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1 21. Now, he who establishes you with us, with you in 
in Christ and has anointed us is God. Two, who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts. It doesn't matter what kind of document you have until it is authenticated by a seal, it is useless. So just in case anything can make God change his mind about establishing you, God now sealed it with something that cannot be revoked. His own spirit. So God is bound to his spirit inside you. To present you to himself. That's why the covenant of salvation could not be wrought between God and man. It had to be wrought between God and God. And he showed you that as an example in the case of Abraham. Abraham, come, let's cut covenant. Are you ready? Abraham said, yes, I'm ready. You sure you're ready? Yes, I'm ready. I asleep. <laughs> so that Abraham will not wake up and feel like he had a hand in entering covenant with God. The same deep sleep that fell upon Adam. The same deep sleep came upon Abraham. Inside Abraham's sleep, covenant happened. God created the sacrifice, split the thing with blood in the middle, passed in the midst of it, swore by himself in blessing. I will bless you, multiply and multiply you. And then he got to time to sign for God. God signed. For Abraham, God signed. For witness, God signed. Woke Abraham up. Abraham woke up into the covenant. And you, while you were dead in trespasses, God made a life. Do you understand? You had no part to play. And God seals that covenant with himself. Because you, you cannot do it. I've saved you. Now promise me, son, that you will never offend me. Because if you offend me, you will never see my face. Lord, I swear to you. I, I pray. Lord, I swear to God that I will not. You don't have the power to keep a covenant that can please God. You don't. You don't have it. You don't have a power. So he sent his seal. Let's look at a couple more scriptures. 1 Corinthians 6.19 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you somebody say in you whom you have from God and you are not your own Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 Romans 8.9 and then verse 14 But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. Stay in verse 9. 
If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So sonship and ownership by God is not a function of performance, it's a function of who possesses you. Do you understand? It's a function of who you are possessed by. Oh, you didn't know you are possessed. Because you have gotten used to that word as only demons possessing you. I'm very possessed. That's why I act the way I act. Only possessed people act the way I act. Because if I'm not possessed, then I don't belong to him. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. See verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit now, you notice the body is dead because of sin. Why didn't he say the spirit is alive? But this spirit is life because of righteousness. Keep going. But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Twelve. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. How do you put to death the deeds of the body? By the spirit. You will live. 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. 1 John 2, 20. I love that scripture. First John 2.20 But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. See verse 27. See verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. You are not abiding in him so the Holy Spirit can teach you. But as he teaches you and is true and is not a lie, it's a given. You will abide in him. You will not abide outside him. You will not leave him to abide in anything else. So I know that I've been reconciled to God. I believe. I receive. And therefore have the seal of the Holy Spirit. You confess Christ, number three, right? And then four, you receive and therefore receive um, receive and therefore have the seal of the Holy Spirit. So you are indwelled and you are led by the Holy Spirit. Number five, you are growing in spiritual truth and life. Your assurance is you know you're growing. Yeah, because if you're grafted properly, you grow. If you're not grafted properly, remember agricultural science, if you don't graft something properly, it dies. If you graft it properly, it grows. Ephesians 4, 12 to 14, you know that scripture, he that uh, ascended, ascended, but he first you know, descended, you know, and he, before he ascended, he gave them gifts, some apostles, some pastors, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, on, 
to the until we all come, that's the key verse there, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So part of your assurance is that you're growing into the measure of Christ. Hebrews 6 1, therefore, leaving <laughs> the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to what? Perfection. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. Um, all scripture is God-breathed, profitable for instruction, doctrine, repro- correction, and reproving righteousness. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 17, that the man of God might be 16. Now we're in 17. Yeah, 17. That the man of God might be what? And the man of God refers to everybody. Might be complete and how? Thoroughly equipped. For every good work. So you know that you have assurance that you, because you're growing. The fact that you know that God is preserving you is evident in the fact that you're growing in the word. Right? Also, number six. Second to the last. Assurance you have. He is able to keep you. Somebody say, he's able to keep me. John chapter 10, 28 to 29. Hope you're writing some of the scriptures down. John chapter 10, 28 to 29. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Somebody say, never. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You see, God, see, when you see some emphatic statements, you cannot doubt them. 29. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. In 28, it says, in case you missed it, Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. In 29, it says no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. (laughs) Do you understand how many hands are at work in your matter? I didn't say hands. I understand English. I didn't say hands. I said, do you know how many hands? I wasn't kidding. I know what I said. Because until you understand, when Jesus says, I and my father are one. You know that the hand of the son is the hand of the father. But just in case you, you were looking at Jesus as son of man. When he says, you can't snatch them out of my hand. He drives it home further. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. No one. Somebody say no one. Jude 1 verse 1. Jude 1 1. 1 1 1 1 1 1. Jude, a born servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are what? And? And? Oh, come on, wake up. Those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Somebody say preserved. preserved. How? Who? In Jesus Christ. To those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Christ. So the preservative of the believer for eternity is Christ. He's not just the agent by which you are saved, he's the preservative agent. 
so Christ, you in Christ, ensures that you cannot go stale. There's people that cook here. There's people that bake here. You cannot go stale. You cannot spoil. You cannot ferment. You cannot lose taste. You cannot lose seasoning. You cannot lose value. When Jesus comes, you are as fresh then as you were when you just got saved. Because he is the preservative. What keeps a canned food from going off is a level of preservative in it. Do you understand? And it's a substance apart from it that preserves it in its state. And you are preserved in Christ. You are saved by him and now put into him to be preserved. If Christ is preserving you, how can you get lost? So, he came to collect the saints. When you come to collect your peoples, remember me, O Lord. He now went back to God. God now asked, where is Alexander Victor? He said, eh, he told one lie yesterday, so I left him. Wait, wait, wait. Who was preserving him? You left somebody that I saved and put inside you to preserve. How do you think Jesus will answer to the Father when he goes back without you? I thought he's the preservative. Oh, she offended me, so I just said, she's not worthy for the role to be called up yonder. So, she cannot see. She's now a goat. She's not in sheeps. You've heard somebody else tell you this morning that the greatest enemy of grace is works. I'll say it over and over and over. If I'm the only one saying it, I'll say it. Greatest enemy of grace is works. That feeling like you must do something to participate in what God is doing. Like the people that you give your monies to because they tell you that you're partnering with God. Somebody says he's able to keep me. Jude repeats it in 24. Jude 1 24. Now to him is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless. Ah, yeah, yeah. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, he is the one who is able to keep you from stumbling. You cannot keep yourself from stumbling. And he is able to present you how? Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So when I stand before God, I stand before God clothed in Christ. It's his job to present me faultless. It doesn't save me and ask me to present myself. Now I've saved you, now find your way to the Father. I thought you are the way to the Father. So I should receive and find my way. Which way again? Are you not the way? Number seven and the last. Your assurance of eternal life beyond probability is that he is eternal life. 
1 John 5, 20. He is eternal life. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So when you are hid in Christ as a preservative, who are you hidden? Eternal life. If Christ is eternal life, as you see in the scripture, and Christ is in you, what is in you? If you, are, if you died, Colossians 3, and your lives are hid with Christ in God, your life is hid in what? If you received him in John 1, 12, as many as believe, as many as receive him to give him power to become sons of God, what did you receive? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10, the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. What has been offered to you? Because eternal life is a person. It's not a place. It's a person. So I cannot have God and not go to where God is. So God comes from where he is to carry God. He now leaves God. No. He is eternal life. I am reconciled to God. I believe that I am reconciled to God. I confess that reality. I receive and therefore I have the seal of the Holy Spirit. I am growing in spiritual truth and life. I know that he is able to keep me and preserve me. And I know that he is eternal life. That is assurance beyond probability. Did you get that? You wrote that down? That's just a short conclusion of the whole thing. So when somebody asks you, how do you know you have eternal life? You have answers. I'm reconciled to God. I, I heard it. I believed it. And when I believed it, I received the Holy Spirit. He, he indwells me. That's after I confessed him as Christ as Lord, as the Son of God. I'm growing in grace and truth. He's able to preserve me. He can't lose me. And I know that he is eternal life. Let me give God praise. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.